This is the 4501 Podcast, Episode 17, Backpacking India. up guys it's just me this week tony mark unfortunately when you have a podcast that you have a co-host with it's quite hard to coordinate especially when you're living in different cities so for that reason it's just going to be you and me this week and that's actually quite appropriate because when i went on my backpacking trip to india back in early 2018 i was solo so this whole episode is just going to be you and me let's get into it first off i want to say that Simply put, backpacking India is insane. And and by insane, I mean wonderful. I I traveled thousands of miles across India, getting around by train and by bus. I fell in love with the food. Ask any of my friends. I absolutely hated Indian food back in college and prior to that. And now it's one of my favorite go-to foods. Whether whether it's masala chai, naan bread, or curry, uh, I love it. Gotta love it. (laughs) I first got there and... Let me just say that it's a big mistake to have your first stop in India be Mumbai, in my opinion. That was my first stop. I was completely culture-shocked, completely overwhelmed by the pollution, the honking horns, the trash everywhere, the stray dogs, and just the fact that you're in a foreign land. It is so much different than anything you can ever imagine. I was definitely in a bit of a culture shock for the first three days that I was in Mumbai, but I slowly adjusted after I met people along the road, you know, whether they're from India or from the United Kingdom, Australia, you know, all over the globe. People, backpacking India is a popular destination. destination. And um, I always like to say that the people you meet during your travels are like half the fun of traveling. The destinations are great, you know, all the temples that you see, all the natural beauty that you see is great, but the relationships, whether they're short and fleeting or long and deep, they are they are so valuable, and I think that's half the, half the fun of traveling, honestly. So anyway, I ended up, how many cities did I go to here? I, I, ended, up, I ended up going to 12 different major locations in India. I don't know if we'll get through each one of these because I don't want to make this episode too long. I can honestly talk about this for hours, but I'll try to condense it into a 20, 30 minute episode. And so that way you can get a good idea about my experience with backpacking India. And if it's something that you ever want to do, honestly, don't hesitate to reach out to me. These show notes for this episode is going to be available at the 4501podcast.com slash 17. So go there check out the show notes, drop a comment, let me know what's up, and we'll go from there. Okay, so the first thing I want to start off and talk about is the fact that backpacking India is super, super affordable, okay? I spent five weeks in India and spent just over $1,000. I actually have the exact dollar amount that I spent in uh, United States dollars, and that was $1,072.94. Now, I will say that that cost excludes my flights you know to and from india it excludes the cost of my visa which i think it was not a lot of money um maybe like at most fifty dollars i can double check and put that in the show notes for you guys and uh, i also bought travel insurance for this trip because it was this was my first big trip by myself Um, i actually spent two weeks in italy prior to this but 
that was like a good warm-up for this longer-term five-week trip. So anyway, five weeks, just over $1,000. That comes out to be, on average, just $30 a day. And that it, that is exactly what I would pay for rent alone in Baltimore. Okay, so $30 a day for in India for food, lodging, transportation, and any other miscellaneous stuff that, you know, you need to buy along the way, like medicine or snacks or something, whatever. So that that was my daily budget, 30 bucks. And that just goes to show you how affordable backpacking India really is. Uh, they use the rupee in India and the current exchange rate, you know, it varies day to day, but about 100 rupees is equal to $1.40 US dollars. So uh, with that being said, on average, dinner cost me right around 200 rupees or, you know, just less than $3. Um, and that, this is not junk food. This is delicious, like full hearty meals, full delicious Indian meals. Moving on from that lodging, I primarily stayed in hostels and those hostels on average cost me like 500 rupees a night. So that's right around seven or eight dollars. And just one other thing I want to point out with lodging is that that was an average, like seven or eight dollars per night. <laughs> the one city that I stopped in in India was Jai Salmer, which was by far the cheapest city I've, I've been to in India. Guess how much my hostel cost in Jai Salmer? Two dollars a night, which was insane. At the opposite end of the spectrum, the most expensive hostel that I stayed in was in New Delhi, which cost me just over $10. So you can see, again, how affordable backpacking India is. Honestly, getting to India is probably going to be your biggest expense. So moving right along, um, like I said, I visited 12 different cities in India. I'll just flip through them real quick. Mumbai, Goa, Jaipur, Pushkar, Bikaner, Jai Salmer, Udapur, Jodhpur, Delhi, Varanasi, Rishikesh, and Agra. And if you all know, Agra is the place where one of the seven wonders of the world is, the Taj Mahal. And let me just say, even though that was my last stop, and I, I did that for a reason, I wanted to save, I guess, the best for last. I, people, I, I'm always skeptical when people say, like, oh my god, you should see this this place. It's spectacular. You know, it's the most beautiful thing. You know, I, I take it with a grain of salt. But in this case, the Taj Mahal was exactly that. It actually lived up to its reputation. It was stunning, absolutely stunning. My recommendation is if you ever go to Agra to see the Taj Mahal, go right in the morning when it opens. I don't know if that's six or seven o'clock in the morning, right when the sun's just coming up. It is the most majestic and magical uh, scene that you can possibly imagine. I'll definitely throw some pictures up on the show notes, the 4501podcast.com slash 17. Other than that, in Agra, there's not much to do. So I, you can you can go down there. It's maybe like a two or three hour bus ride from New Delhi, which is, you know, that's the heart of India. Um, but I don't think there's much more to do than that. Okay, so let's just go through city by city, and I'll give you a quick overview of my my thoughts and some highlights from each city. So first off, Mumbai, like I said, complete culture shock. It was insane. I was kind of scared to step out of the airport, but looking back on it now, I'm glad I did. Um, Mumbai is, in my 
opinion, the New York City of India. Okay, you have Delhi, which is like the Washington, D.C. with lots of monuments and temples and statues. On the other hand, Mumbai is like New York City where it's like chaotic, lots of business and industry and everything like that. It, it completely exhausted me, but in a good way. So uh, what I did there was I did a walking tour, which is something that I like to do in all the cities. The walking tour is great because we got to hang out with the tour guide who was a local. He showed us around. He took me to one of my favorite Indian places for food, for, for lunch. Um, that was right there in Mumbai. So just so you know, Mumbai used to be called Bombay back in the day. I'm not actually sure when they made the name switch, but today it is called Mumbai. So if you ever hear Bombay... That is just the old school name. Um, here in Mumbai, did a couple things. I went to see a Bollywood movie. And this was kind of ironic because, uh, you know, a couple weeks later, I actually got to be an extra in a Bollywood movie. We'll get into that, but stick around for that because it's a good story. Um, so I saw a movie called, I'm probably going to butcher this name, Padmavi um, in the Regal Cinema in Mumbai. And that was kind of cool. Even though they're speaking in Hindi, I, I had no clue what they were saying. There was no subtitles, but it was cool nonetheless to to have that experience. Um, after that, uh, the next day, I think I went on the, and again, I'm going to butcher some of these names, the Dravi Slum Tour. And if you've ever seen the movie Slum Dog Millionaire, that is where some of those scenes were filmed. And so, so a lot of people have this um, negative uh, opinion about going on slum tours and I understand where they're coming from for sure because there are these companies that get together tourists and walk them through this very very impoverished section of the city and just to give you an idea this this Dravi area of Mumbai is um, like a million people in this very small trashy polluted area so so anyway these, these companies take advantage of tourists who pay them money to take them through the slums. And I, I see why some people would think that is a, a bad thing because they're kind of capitalizing on the, the unfortunate lifestyle of these people for tourism purposes. But this company that I went through the slum tour with, uh, their name is Reality Tours and Travel. They don't allow any photography in the slums they actually take 80% of their profits and put it back into the, the community, the slums. And for that reason, I was like, okay with going on this slum tour, just for, for personal reasons, just to see it for myself, to, to have that experience. And the fact that they're giving back to the community, which they proved to us, which was a really good, good thing in my opinion. So that was really cool to see also in Mumbai. Now, uh, like I said, a little bit of culture shock in Mumbai. I needed to get out of there as quickly as possible. So three or four days later, I took a train, my first Indian train, an overnight India train down to Goa. And Goa is like this tropical beach town uh, along the, uh, what is that, the west coast of India. It's a beautiful place. Let me talk about the Indian train first. So Indian trains are crazy, okay? You have multiple different classes of trains, like first, second, third. It's more complicated than that, but I never went on first class. I, I definitely could have afforded it, which was, I, I think you get like food in there. You get like your own private room that you can sleep in, all that stuff. 
I could have afforded it. It was maybe twice the price as second class, but I, I went with second class because that's typically what backpackers do. And second class is, um, just imagine triple bunk beds, okay? And they're, they're during the day, their seats where, you know, somebody can sit in the back of the seat is padded, but at night you take that back of the seat, flip it up, and then you have a bottom bunk, middle bunk, and top bunk. So on these long trips, these, um, I think it was nine or 10 hours to get from Mumbai to Goa, you leave late at night, get there early in the morning, and you're sleeping on these bunk beds. And it was actually, I, I actually quite enjoyed it. It was kind of soothing in a sense with the, you know, the, the bumpiness of the train, the constant noise. Uh, it kind of puts you to sleep and you just forget about it, sleep until the morning. The only thing with that is security. You never know with your bags and luggage and all that stuff. Um, you want to make sure that you either sleep next to them or, you know, have them locked up along a, uh, on a pole or something. So that's, that's what I did. Once you do that, you're good to go. Um, and then finally, I never took third class either. This is, if you ever see the pictures, literally people stuffed into trains and they're, they're paying like pennies to get on these, these trains. They're stuffed into the trains. People are hanging on the outsides and, uh, I forget what the statistic is, but on these third class trains, I think well over like a few people a day, at least die in India alone on third class trains because of the chaoticness that goes on in there. And it's, I, I don't have much more to say than that, but it's India that happens. It's, it's sad, but it's crazy. Okay. So back to Goa. There, Goa is split up into two parts, North Goa, South Goa. North Goa is like this, I don't know how to say it, a, a very party central beach town. Okay, there's no resorts or anything that I know of. It's more of like when people go on vacation in India, one of their hot spots is Goa. And that's where they go to party. They go to the beach during the day and all that stuff. So I actually didn't really, it was nice, but I prefer South Goa, which is much more laid back, much more quiet than North Goa. And it's just a place that you can kind of relax and chill out. And this is where I did some of my first yoga in India, um, right along the beach there in Goa, in South Goa. Um, I had a really good time here. I think I stayed a total of uh, between North Goa and South Goa, probably a week or so. Um, one other thing that I want to say about Goa is there is this historical section of Goa outside of the beach town area that is a collection of old Roman Catholic churches. And it's actually a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So I spent the day out there. Um, there's a couple churches that you visited and I actually went to, to mass in one of those churches. It was in a different language. It, and surprisingly, it wasn't in Hindi. Um, I forget the name of the language, but it was, I guess, a local language. Um, which was quite interesting to see that in compared to, it was a Catholic Mass, in compared to, you know, an English-speaking Catholic Mass. Anyway, moving right along, I went to Jaipur next, and this was one of the few flights, actually this was the only internal flight that I've taken throughout my whole backpacking India trip. I, I flew from Goa to Jaipur, because otherwise it would have taken me probably well over 20 hours by bus or by train to get there. So so Jaipur is the capital 
city of Rajasthan. Rajasthan is one of many states in India. So just like the United States, India is divided up into multiple states, and one of those states is Rajasthan. Capital of that is Jaipur. Okay, a nickname for Jaipur is the pink city, and that is because many, many of the buildings in Jaipur are pink in color. So that was really cool to see. One of the most popular pink buildings in Jaipur is the Hawamala. <laughs> okay, I again, I, I know I'm, I'm admitting that I'm probably pronouncing some of these places wrong. Um, a, a more common nickname, I guess, is the Palace of the Winds. I'll put a link to the picture of this building, but one of the one of the highlights of this building is the fact that there's like hundreds and hundreds of windows overlooking this and it's a t kind of tall building relative to everything else there's all these many many different windows um, it's just a very iconic building in Jaipur in India actually for that matter so what else did I do in Jaipur Jaipur is known for their forts their palaces their temples I went to the amber fort um, which was just outside the city of Jaipur up on the hill you can actually see it from downtown and when you're up there you can actually overlook Jaipur which was really really cool. From Jaipur I actually took a day trip down to the Ranthambore National Park for a tiger safari. Okay so Ranthambore National Park is known for their tigers so I spent an afternoon trip in a jeepish kind of vehicle. There's about six of us in this jeep and we drove around looking for tigers and unfortunately we did not see any tigers but we saw a multitude of other wildlife the closest we saw to seeing a tiger though was some tiger footprints so that was kind of cool to see that but unfortunately we went back without seeing the tiger that's okay it was worth it though it was a four-hour jeep safari in the in the national park on the tiger reserve and i think that cost me something like 2,000 rupees which if you convert it back to the US dollars it's 30 bucks so even something like that is super super affordable. Um, after Jaipur and the Ranthambore National Park I took a bus to a place called Pushkar. Now relative to every other city that we've been to so far Pushkar is this very small India town that's built around a lake and it's not like a, I don't think it's like a popular tourist attraction, but there are a good amount of backpackers there. So in Pushkar, I was planning on spending like three or four days there, just hanging out, checking it out. But remember when I talked about the Bollywood movie earlier in the podcast? Well, this is where that all went down. So <laughs> at this point in my trip, I was actually getting um, a little bit of deli belly. And if you don't know what that is, it's a... Uh, diarrhea okay from whatever it was you don't you don't drink the water in india that's a big big no-no because that'll most likely get you sick so i wasn't drinking the water it must have been some type of food that i was eating who knows i had a little bit of deli belly and i was craving um, non-indian food i just wanted some normal food so i did some looking up on TripAdvisor, or whatever found this pizza place inside push card, you know, down the street. So I walked maybe like 15 minutes into this pizza place and I noticed that there's like not a lot of people there. So I made a comment to um, the guy standing there who was also waiting to get some pizza about how empty this restaurant was. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. We got talking. He eventually 
told me that he was actually waiting there to uh, to be in a Bollywood movie. And I'm like, oh, that's freaking awesome. And he's like, do you want to be in it? And I'm like, absolutely, I want to be in it. And he's like, okay, wait till this agent dude gets back. We'll see if he, we can get you uh, to come with us to go be in the Bollywood movie. The agent comes back. He looks at me. He asks me if I'm available for it. And I'm like, yes. And that's that. Like, the rest is history. He, uh, so again, I was, I'm a, I'm a skeptical person. I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm not initially trusting of people, but I talked to this other guy who was my age. Um, he was from America. He did his research. He looked up the guy. He was legit. There was other backpackers that we eventually met who were also going to be in this Bollywood movie. So I was at least, you know, strength in numbers, right? I, I wasn't a dummy about this. So the agent and his driver, they drive us up to a place called Bacanner. And this was quite a, quite a crazy thing, like a very impulsive thing, because I actually had my hostel rented for another few nights. The The agent takes me back to my hostel. We grab my bags. I check out of the hostel. I um, go back to the pizza place. They buy us dinner and they load us into two different cars and drive us up to this place called Bacanner, which is a city um it's got to be like it's in northwestern india and it's maybe like um it's much much closer to iran than it is to uh you know any other country it's on the border of iran there and i this is not again not a place that a lot of people go to even more less people go to bikaner than go to um pushkar so we're getting we're getting out there at this point, and the the, the trip itself was cra- kind of crazy because it's very memorable in my my head because the driver he didn't speak any English, he was just blasting his Indian music, which is if you ever listen to it, it can be very like whiny, like high pitched voices, and that's all I remember hearing. He's just you know speeding down the road trying to get to Bikaner as quick as possible. Let me remind you that this is around dinner time that we left a little bit after dinner. So by the time we get there, it's like one or two a.m. And um, as we're approaching the canner, I'll never forget this. The uh, this just goes to show you how prominent stray dogs are. We're approaching the canner, and this pack of stray dogs comes running out in front of the car, and most of them got by the car except for one. And unfortunately, our driver hit the hind leg his right hind leg i believe it was of the dog and he went wild he went crazy screaming i never heard a, a sound like that before and that really got all the other dogs going every dog was barking he he pulled aside we checked to see if there's anything we can do to help the dog but unfortunately there wasn't and um i i did notice like in other areas of india i would see these three-legged dogs and that must be exactly why that's such a common thing from from these packs of dog or these individual dogs getting hit by uh by traffic which is sad but i mean like i said we couldn't do anything for them so we just continue on to our place and we we spent the night got up the next day and uh went to the set and it was a long day let me tell you that on the this bollywood movie set just to give you a little bit more context, uh, the movie was called The Queen of Hansi, I think. It's J-A, or I'm sorry, it's J-H-A-N-S-I. 
they wanted us, meaning me and the other backpackers that took they took us up from Pushkar. We were all these white guys, you know, either from the UK or Australia or United States. They wanted us to play the part of British soldiers. So they got us dressed up in these British soldier uniforms. They're red, red top, white hat, white pants, black boots. And they, they, they shaved us. They shaved our faces. They gave me a mustache. I had a little bit of facial hair at that point. So I had enough for a mustache. And, you know, it was, it was a really cool experience. They fed us. Um, three meals that day and on top of all that they they paid us <laughs> which was kind of cool um they paid us 1500 rupees cash and you know, like i said they paid for our our lodging our transportation our dinner and they actually also paid us um our bus tickets to our next destination or our train tickets to our next destination which uh, my next destination was jai salmer anyway the experience itself on the bollywood movie set was just as you would expect it, it was chaotic, just like the rest of India. There's some organization, but for for the scene that we were shooting, took us all day. Shouldn't have taken us that long. What it was was there was this like gateway arch into this palace. They had the British soldiers line up along one side of the arch, and the I don't even know who the other guys were. The the local I guess army. They're dressed in like white, um, flowy like dress, male dresses and uh, orange weird looking hats. They're kind of cool actually. And they just had us lined up along the side. And for, for all day, pretty much all day, we were redoing the same thing over and over again. Just like we had these guns and we would put them into position and like they would say fire and like we would put them out in front of us like we were firing them. Um, the only other thing we did aside from that was uh, proceed through the gate like a a parade or a march through the gate. And I should say that this movie actually was released early January of 2019. I have not had a chance to see it yet, but I I do plan on at least trying to watch the scene that I was in. So um, if if I can come up with that or find a clip on YouTube, maybe I'll put that in the show notes as well. So definitely check that out too. Okay, it looks like I got to pick up the pace here. We're we're quite a bit into this show. I don't want to bore you guys with with all these these uh, Indian stories. But next stop was Jai Salmer. This was a cool place. Uh, one of the cheapest places that I've been to. This was the place that I got the two dollar hostel for. The main thing in Jai Salmer is the Jai Salmer Fort, and that is this awesome fort, kind of like on a plateau that rises above the city, so you can walk through there kind of get lost through these windy streets in the in the fort itself that's an experience in itself other than that i did a camel safari in jai summer through a company called trotters and this this overnight camel safari where we ended up sleeping under the stars in the desert on like a, a little like blanket with blankets and pillows and stuff it was really cool um this this thing cost me 2250 rupees which is just about 34 us dollars again a fantastic deal that just goes to show you how affordable india is we had included in this trip transportation by jeep to the camels fully cooked breakfast the camel ride itself lunch dinner snacks sleeping under the stars another breakfast the next morning more camera rides the next morning, the Jeep back to the hostel and, you know, shower facilities the next day if you needed them. So I had a really good experience with that. Um, again, 
where Jai Salmer is kind of along the northwest border of Iran. So this was, I think, the closest I came within like 50 kilometers. I'm sorry, I keep saying Iran. It's Pakistan. Pakistan. We're about 50 kilometers from Pakistan, sleeping under the stars at this point. So in the middle of the desert. It was unforgettable. I loved it. Next stop, Udapur. Again, we're going either by bus or by train between these cities. Um, I think for this trip itself, it was 450 rupees to get from Jai Salmer to Udapur, which is six bucks. Udapur is, again, another city built around a, a lake. It's a much bigger lake than Pushkar. The The popular thing to see in Udapur is the city palace, which is this, this palace um, right along the water. It's absolutely beautiful. I did a tour through it. If you're into Indian history, you'll love the tour. I, I liked it at a surface level, but I couldn't really get into it that much. So, um, But nonetheless, it was a good thing to see. Next up, Jodhpur, one of my favorite cities in India. We talked about um, Jaipur before, which was the pink city. Well, Jodhpur is the blue city. And I only spent 24 hours here. I didn't even spend a night here because I came in on an overnight bus that morning woke up, the bus dropped us off. I spent the day in Jodhpur, and then that same night in the evening, I left on an overnight train to go to Delhi, I believe it was. And I think the fact that I like fell in love with this city is because I just had this mental state going into it that I wanted to make the most of it. So in doing so, I just just lived it up while I was there. The, the highlight probably of my time in Jodhpur was not only like meeting other people and getting lost going through the streets of Jodhpur, but but the highlight itself was trying to find this this mysterious sunset rock that everybody was talking about that you could go climb up onto this rock and see the sunset over the blue city. We, after much, much uh, struggle throughout the day to find it, we actually ended up finding it. You had to like go through this really sus alley that you would never want to walk down in order to get to a staircase that would take you up to the rock that you would then have to scale across and like you at this point you're literally above the the blue city you have a 360 degree panoramic view of the city i have an awesome panorama that i'll put in the show notes for you guys but the 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 punchline is here that as the sun sets like the moment the minute that the sun sets you begin to hear dozens and dozens of mosques starting to, I guess they're chanting their evening prayers over loudspeakers across the city in every direction that you listen. And it was something that I wasn't expecting. I was there to see the sunset, but to hear this like unison chanting around the entire city, which was normally like, you know, hustling and bustling. And it, I mean, it still was hustling and bustling at this point, but to hear this, I guess it happens every day was just quite an experience and I will never forget that. And I I took a video. I I haven't watched the video since, but it's just a memorable, memorable thing to to hear all of that happen at once. And and I should note there that India is filled with like dozens of religions. Hinduism is by far the, the most practiced religion in India but Muslims um, practicing Islam do make up a good chunk of the uh, the population there. So 
um, next stop, like I said, was Delhi. I took the the overnight bus, or I'm sorry, the overnight train there to Delhi, and and Delhi, like I mentioned before, is like the the D.C. of India, okay, the Washington D.C. where there's lots of memorials and forts and tombs and everything. So that's pretty much what my um, experience was in Delhi for a few days. I got to see a lot of these these monuments and statues, um, and a lot of them had religious like tie-ins, okay, so. For example, the one of the places that I went to was a I'm gonna mess this up again a, a Sikh a Sikh the religion is I think Sikh or maybe that's what the people who practice the religion are called but I went to one of these temples the here we go the Guru Guradra Bangla Shaib. <laughs> It's a it's a place of worship for these Sikh practicing religion religious people, and uh, I went there with a group of people that I met at the hostel, and this is a place where you can't wear your shoes. Everybody's hair has to be covered, so we took our shoes off. We left them at the front. They gave us like these bandana type of things to cover our hair, and then we walked around their um, their place of religion, which contained shrines inside people were practicing while we were walking through and then outside there's this really long pool of holy water that people would cleanse themselves in not not fully just maybe their face and their arms so we saw that as well and then we ended up somehow being pulled into well not pulled into we we found our way into a, a kitchen in this this place of worship and in this kitchen i think they give out something like 10,000 free meals every day to anybody regardless of their religion or whatever um so we helped them for maybe a couple hours prepare some food for that night um for the for those for those meals that night which was a really nice um cool thing to to do and kind of give back very small but very cool at the same time again moving right along to varanasi this was a long train ride out to varanasi i think it took close to 12 hours to get out there on a sleeper train of course and the reason you go to Varanasi I mean there's there's probably many reasons but the highlight from a backpacker's perspective is to see the may <laughs> the Manikarin forget it to see a section along the Ganges River where they do cremations of bodies. Okay, and this is a very, very religious city in India. People from all over India kind of come here to Varanasi as they are um, they are dying, okay, because they want to physically die in Varanasi to have their body cremated along the Ganges River and to have their ashes dumped into the Ganges River for for holy reasons. Um, nearly 300 bodies per day are burned on the banks of the Ganges. And the reason that people want to do this is religious in nature. So I just want to take a moment here and explain this because it's quite foreign to a lot of us from the United States and, and like first world countries. Uh, the, the reason that people travel to the Ganges River to have their bodies cremated and spread into the river itself is a religious thing. It's a very holy thing for them to do. 
I don't know specifically why. I think it's something, um, you know, something full circle that they believe that uh, they they return their body to nature, something along those lines. But the thing that I found so strange and so interesting was that this same river that they're dumping the ashes into is the same river that people bathe in and drink the water because they believe it is holy. So the, the river water in the Ganges, what I'm trying to say, is filled with ashes, bones, other human remains. And not only that, but there's also like just toxic wastewater flowing, you know, from the, the streets itself down the gutters into the, the river itself. All of this is being thrown into the river. And as you're walking along the river, we took a we took a boat ride in the river, you see people bathing in the same exact river. Just upstream, they were burning the bodies, and downstream, they're bathing in it. They're drinking it. They're playing. There's kids playing in it. It's it's crazy, for me, for somebody who've who's never seen anything like that. I I think I feel like if I if I do that, I would get sick right away. But they they truly believe that it washes away their sins, and it's a, it's a very holy thing for them. So, putting all that aside, um, that was the main reason I went to Varanasi to see that to experience that, and it was honestly to smell that, to, to see it, to, you know, just experience that was quite an amazing thing. Next up, Rishikis, we're almost there. Bear with me, guys. Rishikis is in the foothills of the Himalayan mountains, so it's much different than any other part of India that we've been to. It's, it's very mountainy, and I kind of loved it there. I spent close to a, a week there, I think. And this is where the the Holy Festival was, H-O-L-I. And the Holy Festival is a festival of color. So if you've ever seen pictures of Indians with this, like, colorful dust, like, thrown on their faces and their clothes, that is the Holy Festival. It's a Hindu festival. And, you know, you don't have to be um, Hindu to celebrate it. Hindus and non-Hindus alike partake in this festival. So... It's a approximately two-day festival, lots of dancing, um, drinking this thing called a, a bong lassi, and lots of this colored powder. And the uh, it was a lot of fun. It, everything pretty much closes down for those two days, and just people people celebrate and have a good time. It was really cool to see. I did a little bit of hiking in Rishikesh, and also some yoga, which was appropriate because. Um, Rishikesh is considered to be the birthplace of yoga. They were actually hosting the International Yoga Festival when I was there, so people from all over came down to Rishikesh, or I guess up to Rishikesh, to partake in this week full of yoga, meditation, and educational talks at one of the ashrams there in Rishikesh. One other thing I guess I would say about Rishikesh that is of note is the fact that the Beatles spent some time there and that's where they, they have this, uh, this they call it now the Beatles Ashram, um, but they spent some time there getting in, in the, I guess, the late 60s, getting, I guess, inspiration for some of their songs. So uh, there's, I didn't, I didn't go in that, that Beatles Ashram, but you can go there. It was kind of expensive from what I remember. And um, if you're a really big Beatles fan, that's a really cool thing to do. Uh, finally, I talked about this earlier. Agra, which is where the the Taj Mahal was, that um, was a must. It's a must, absolute must. I know it's a tourist 
attraction, but you got to go see the Taj Mahal in Agra. And that was the last stop on my trip. If you made it this far, thank you guys for listening to this. I am extremely, I, I always think back to my time in India and I think I will always remember it. It was extremely eye-opening. I did it alone. It's okay. It's okay to backpack solo. You meet people. You're not by yourself. When you backpack solo, you're not by yourself. You meet people at the hostels and you you really you really have a, a fascinating and eye-opening experience. So I highly recommend it if you ever get the chance, whether it's alone or with, with friends or family, go for it. Don't be scared. It'll be okay, and uh, you'll be you'll be better off for it in the end. Any questions? Forty-five-one-podcast.com/slash-seventeen. I'll be there to answer them. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next time. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode. Please follow us on Twitter at the 4501 Podcast to keep up with the latest news and events. If you have any suggestions for episodes or would like to contact us, shoot us an email at the 4501 podcast at gmail.com.